0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, um, so the title uh, for tonight is, I think, How Do You Keep a Joy in Suspense? I'll tell you later. So I can't tell you the answer to that yet, I guess. <laughs> uh, we'll find out in the, uh, in the course of this year. What I want to do is start by... Um, Creating a context for the story we're about to read, and ask you whether it, that context matters. I think that question hasn't been asked often enough in the past. And then I want to take you through selected sections of the narrative, and take a look at um, what we think those, right, what we think those specific sections mean. And uh, then we're going to read through a bunch of Rishonim and Ahronim who attempted to uh, put parts of this narrative together, and then. There may or may not be an exciting, uh, an, ex- an exciting conclusion. I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced yet there's an exciting conclusion, so I'm in suspense also to find out uh, exactly what exactly what's going to happen. Okay, so if we take a look at the, uh, if we take a look at the sheet, I'm actually going to share my screen now, uh, make life easier, um, and we're going to start on page two. Okay, so on page two, um, so we're going to start. Uh, really, um, what is usually seen as like the pusik before our our story starts, right? So our story is the um, is the adventures, I guess we would say of um, Yitzchak in Yitzhak in Gerar. And one of the questions that, I, that probably some of you are getting, I I try to ask a lot, is um, looking at what bookends the story, right? What its literary environment is. So the Pusik that happens right before of Baritz is. V'yaakov Natan lays, it's really the end of the preceding parak, but we're not caring about Prakim right now. Natan lechem Yaakov gives Esav bread and various, give whatever lentils do. V'yokhal right, so there's these five action verbs um, depicting, you know, the, the impetuousness with which Esav acts. Eats, eats, drinks, gets up, leaves, and despises of uh, the Bechorah. That's the end of the story, Okay. Then the next line we have is Vahira of Baritz, okay? So what happens immediately before Vahira of Baritz, it seems in the in the narrative, what happens immediately before is that it, Esav despises the Bechorah. Okay, if we go to the very end of the narrative, all right, so we have Vahyeshev Yitzchak v'Eretz Mugurei Aviv, V'Eretz Kenan. sorry, did I, did I cut it off one plus second? Yeah, no, that's no, right. No, no, sorry, the end of the story is Vahit Yitzchak, We'll get to the other last, the 44 later. Okay, so they, at the end of the story, right after, after the episode of Yitzchak and leaves, the next thing we have is Yitzchak calling in Esav. So the environment of this story is a, is a relationship between Yaakov and Esav. Even though in this story, nobody mentions that, yeah, that Yitzchak and Rivka have children. And you would think that if Yitzchak and Rivka had children, that the first question the people in the people in Philistia would ask before they decide whether Rivka is, is Yitzchak's sister and uh, sister or wife is whose children are these? And if Yitzchak is acting as their father and Rivka is acting as their mother, then it would be uh, it would be pretty clear that the answer was that Yitzchak and Rivka were married. So there's a difficulty trying to fit this story into the timeline. Which we can phrase in one of two ways. We can frame the question as, "Ah, right, you know, what exactly is the timeline?" Or we can frame the question as, "Let's suppose that in fact this story takes place earlier in the timeline. It takes place before the birth of um, of, of, of um, Yaakov and Esav, but it's put here for a reason. All right? So why is this story in the literary context of the right, of the of the way in which?" Yitzchak and Rivka handle, um, or the way which Yaakov and Esau and Yitzchak and Rivka handle the B'chora, right? And since the the story beforehand doesn't mention the parents either, uh, so we can say it's mostly about um, mostly about Yaakov and uh, Yaakov and Esau. So one possibility uh, is that this is just suspense. It's really exciting, right? Yaakov, Esau is vivazed the B'chora. We all want to know what's going to happen now and so we say no, no no you know now the narrator right this happens a lot in um but you know you'll get my my bias i don't think this is a good answer it happens a lot in some of the lesser thrillers right you bring somebody up to a cliffhanger and then you have another a chapter about something else entirely Um <laughs> uh, right just so you can right just just to uh, just to build the suspense um so that's that seems like a really cheap answer i don't think that's probably the best uh way to keep a Jew in suspense is to just start you go off on a tangent for a chapter until you get back to it, um, but it raises the question: right Why do we interrupt the story? It would make perfect sense to go straight from Yaakov, Natan Leisav to uh All right, and we could put the story in. We could put the story in before. We could put the story in after. Whatever you want, we put it in the middle. Okay, so that's um, right. That's the um, that's the environment. Um, Okay, so now um, let's talk about, um, right? So next, the next verse, right? So we'll start with, let's start with ne- the next verse, what, what I call verse two. I think it's Perk <laughs> Chafhei um, um What we have is Bahira Av Baaretz. So now one of the things that we're going to have to try and figure out in this story, and I'm probably not the right person to help you figure it out, so I'm going to raise the question, and if some of you have answers for it, I would love it. Uh, where does all this take place and specifically what does each time the Torah uses the word Eretz or Eretz what is the, what geographic area, if any, is it referring to? So I hear Eretz okay, so there is Eretz in the land, which land? right, aside from the um, right, the first right, aside from the first one that was in the time of um, that was in the time of abraham um so yitzchak goes to Avimelech towards gerar now is there a avin grar or is there not a raven grar if there is a raven grar as well why is he bothering to go there and if there's not a raven not a raven grar so then god appears to him and says don't go to egypt why would he go to egypt everything's great in grar okay so that is a um right so that's that's a question we have to address Right? What is the relationship between the Aretz in which there is a Ra'av and and Gerar? Let's, we, but now we can ask another question. right? Yedach so Yitzchak Avimelech Melech Pishtim Gerar. Yitzchak goes to Avimelech Melech Pishtim. From where? Right? Yitzchak has to have been somewhere else. Probably he's in the Aretz where there's a Ra'av. But where is that somewhere else? So here I want to turn back to page one of the source sheet okay and, I, and here what I, I give you is a uh, a rapid tour right you know, a rapid tour by peric of where people are and let's try and think about right how that affects this answer so in Chav we learn okay so avram is traveling around artsa so there's one one eras could be the errors of the negev and it turns out that um but in the Eretz Negev it seems like there is this place called Grar, because this is the Big Grar, and that's when Avram tells Sarah, right? Avram tells Sarah you know, the whole the whole episode with Avram Navimelech. So it sounds like there's a place right that Avram starts is in a place called Negev, which is Grar. So we know that this is a place where Avram has been. Okay. Then um later on, Baikrasuvris Biv Er Shaba, okay, so Avram Avram and Melech create a treaty in the Er Shaba. A Yakab Avimelech Ufihol starts the Eretz Plishtim. So it seems like there's a place called Eretz Plishtim, which is presumably not the same as Eretz Hanegev, even though it includes Grar, and which is also not the same thing as, right, and Be'er Sheva is not part of it. Right, because Avimelech and Pichol Saretzv'o had to leave Eretz Plishtim in order to go to Beersheva. Okay, Avram, right, Avram, um, right plants, a, plants a tree in Beersheva, great. Okay, and then Avram, Avram, So Avram also lives in Plishtim. So it sounds like Beersheva. Is somewhere accessible from eris plishtim but not actually, but not actually part of it. Um, okay, right, Mitch Clay, you're the old part. How do we know that it could be that you know that you're the right answer for our parashah is going to be that Yaakov and Esau were left with a babysitter somewhere else. All <laughs> uh, right, when they, I can't hear you, Mitch. Is that my fault? We don't know how old they, yeah. we how old they were. Right? There's no, there are no time. There are no time markers in the story at all, but if it's chronological, it's after the episode in which Asav comes back from the field, and he's really tired, right? So Asav is capable of hunting, and Yaakov is capable of making lentil soup. Yeah, so they're already older. Why do they have to go with their parents? So maybe they didn't go with their parents at all. They were left at home, right? They were high schoolers. He's a hunter. Aesop is a hunter. Okay, so it could be that... right? It could be that... Um, now. He's a hunter, so he doesn't care about famine. Well, he's a hunter, he need his parents, I guess. Mean. Yeah, but as a famine. Yaakov always takes his kids along. Okay, maybe. Right? Yaakov also isn't a hunter, right? So what's Yaakov living on? Maybe Aesub is supporting him, right? So we have part of the rehabilitation of Aesub. Is that um, right is that Yaakov's actually to Shiva's chain behavior during this time too, of course. And Aesub is paying his tuition. Could be. Right? I don't know. Okay. All right, we'll go back to it. Um right, that could be. I mean it, you know or literally, it could be that the story right, the same way that we read the Akedah and Yitzhak doesn't seem to be as old as he really is, it could be that the you know that for the purposes of this story they choose to disregard that and you can work out for yourself how it is. Maybe Yaakov and Asa pretended not to be related, maybe they said, Oh, these are our poor nephews that right when adopted right. It just does not doesn't matter the story. So right. So we didn't so we didn't put it in. Could be. Okay, um, all right. So, so we're just we're recapping where we were, right? We have Eretz Hanegev. We have Gror, which is Eretz Hanegev. We have Eretz Plishtim, where Gror may or may not be, but probably Gror is part of Eretz Plishtim. Avram lives in Eretz Plishtim. First he was the Yager Big Gror, now he's the in Eretz Plishtim. maybe it's a broader space. And Be'er Sheva is outside of at least Eretz Plishtim, but it's accessible to it. Okay, now we get the prayer Hefbet. This is after the Akedah. Right? So Avram, it seems, yeah. Okay, so Avram, it seems, at this stage, is Avram now has left Eris Plishtim and he's living in Beersheba, And that's why the other episode where we have figure out where everyone is coming from is when Sarah dies in of Gimel, Sarah dies in Hebron, and Avram and Avram comes. Uh, to bury her from Beersheba, so we have Abraham Beersheba, Sarah in Hebron. We don't know what Sarah is doing in Hebron, and Yitzchak is coming from Be'er Lachayroi. Right, so it seems like, right, it seems like that at the moment when Yitzchak meets Rivka, Avram, Sarah, and Yitzchak are all in different places. Avram is in Abraham is in Beersheba, Sarah is in Hebron, and Yitzchak is in Be'er Lachayroi. And the question, of course, is why, uh, right? So the, and the easy answer to that is that the Akeda fractures, right? The Akeda fractures the family, right? That the, um, right, that uh, on the way up the Akedah, on the way back from the Avram and Yitzchak is not there. And then um, Dr. Joshua Berman, who's much more famous than when I, uh, then when I heard, first heard this portion, I heard this portion when, uh, I guess it must be, uh, I guess it must be something like, um, must be something like, uh, um, maybe, yeah, it must be, sorry, t- t- close to 30 years ago. Uh, I think he just got some So Josh of the Bort, which impressed me enormously back then. I always loved telling the story because, it was also what, it's really the only time I ever saw in front of the of Uh and Josh is giving a vort, and the point of the vort was that and Ishmael, after Ishmael is expelled, they never appear in the same Pasuk together. And Ravamitel gets up in the middle of the vort that Josh Burno is giving in, in Gush at the Shele and says, Matsati Pasuk. And he starts waving waving a Tanakh around. Uh, right. And uh, right the point was and Ishmael do appear together at Avram's funeral. And and, uh, joshua's Josh was building to that climax, and he just looked at Ravamital and said, to vort. and he just, <laughs> and are destroying the Vartartart. It was such a beautiful, such a beautiful moment of student-teacher interaction. Uh, you know, that Ravamital felt comfortable interrupting him, that he felt comfortable you know, sort of snapping at Ravamital. It was all beautiful. And it was a beautiful vort, right? So, the, the, and the, the climax of the word is, Yitzhak, uh, before he gets an ending, right? But the, sort I guess the, the midpoint is a better, the crescendo, I don't know, about a music person. Uh, the Yitzchak is obsessed by what happened to Ishmael. And really, what the Akedah does is it makes him constantly reflect on whether Ishmael was treated fairly. Uh, right? That's why Yitzhak, it's not just Babi Berlachari, Yitzchak is Babi Bo Berlachari. Yitzchak is constantly going back and forth to, right, to Berlachari. So the only thing I want to point out, right, so that, so, um, all right, so it seems like when we ask, where is Yitzchak coming from at the beginning, right, in our story, it seems like the answer should, right, is, uh, should be, Yitzchak, bam, Be'er l'chai ro'i, hu ha'negev, okay, so Yitzchak is in this in-between, right, he's, he's, his home is Erez is ha'negev, but he's going back and forth to be'er l'chai and that's where, right, it's from these two places that he comes to Aviyalech Melech Pleshtim But it gets complicated, right? Because we saw before, right, we saw from the beginning by Abraham that, um, that Groar actually is in Eretz HaNegev. So not sure why you should be by Yelech. I guess you can be somewhere else in Eretz Plishtim and go to Gerar. Um And the only thing I would say, even though uh, I thought Josh Berman's work was incredible at the time, as I was preparing this Torah, I realized that Yitzchak never goes back to be'er after Rivka enters his life. So it seems that in some way, in this teaser, you could write more suspense, right? You could read by essay uh, this week, which addresses this a little bit, that it seems like what, if he's right, that Yitzchak is obsessed by what happens to Ishmael, something about that changes. When Rivka enters his life, even though it's true, that he and Ishmael never show up together until his deathbed. So Yitzchak comes probably from Eretz HaNegev. and if I'm right, Beer uh, Lachayroi is no longer a uh, is no longer a place in his um, in his life. And um, okay, but we should we have we have all these the biographical things set. Okay. So I just want to point out bracket I I bolded Abraham every time he shows up here. Um, because it seems like, even though this is a story about Yitzchak in which Avraham does not appear as a character, um, the, right, there's an enormous amount of, um, I, would, I wouldn't call it, um, not subconscious, whatever they call it, uh, subliminal, right? So a, I don't think it's subliminal because, you know, probably once it's bolded, it's not subliminal. Avraham is always there in the background. Every time there's an excuse to break away from the narrative and give background, the background is always Avraham and not Yitzchak. Okay. So Yelak Ishak lovelichmel, so so Yischak goes to Melok Mel Pishtim in Gerar. But Y Rah love Hashem Vayomir, and so God appears to him and God says, I'll tell don't go down to Egypt. So the obvious problem uh the obvious problem is um who said anything about Egypt? So right, Avram goes to Egypt in front of, in, instead of a Raav. Yishaq is going to Gerar. So it's not at all clear what the, it's not at all clear what the, um uh, what, right, why we set this up by saying, unless the is supposed to put in the back of our minds that really he's, really he's on his way, really he's on his way to Egypt. Um, and God stops him, it seems, and says, don't go to Egypt. But God never tells him why. So this is a gap that we have to fill. Why shouldn't Yitzchak go to Egypt? Avram went to Egypt. Why doesn't Yitzhak know that he's not supposed to go to Egypt if he doesn't? Right? What new information is God telling him here? And then God says, and this is really right, what the title of the uh, of this year is about. God said, "Al don't go down to Egypt. Shichon ba'aretz, you have to, right, you have to be sholchein, whatever to be sholchein means, right? Whole new verb." Um, right, for right, we have so many. Right, we have Lagur and Lishab, Right, uh, now we have now we have Lishkon, Right, Shechon ba'aretz Asher Amari Lecha. Okay, so we all know this phrase. Shekun ba'aretz Asher Right, that's just the right. This is just Lech Lecha. Right, Lech Lecha. Right, le, le, right? Lech Lecha. Right, or if you don't even want Lecha is Asher Eka. Asher Lecha is the Akeda. Right? So right, so right, right. So this should be Yitzchak's akeidah moment, uh, right? But it's a little odd, right? Because opposed to Avram, who said it's lech lecha el aretz, right, Asher It's lecha, it's Yitzchak is don't, right, stay, There's no travel involved. So what does it mean, right? if you're standing still, and then it gets worse. It's Gur. Right? Because we don't know what this Aris is, and now is Gur, hazos. live in this land. Which land? It's just a Sheremar Alecha, right? If I'm keeping you in suspense, right? Right? So then, what is, right? Where, first of all, what happened? Why are we switch from Shechon to Gur? And what on earth is this Aris Hazot? What are these two verses doing consecutively? Okay. Right? That's the, um, right? And then we discover, right? So, why are you supposed to do this? At least one of these things, right? Shechon. Uh not being Altaray, Chachon, or gur, or all three of them. So the Yaimchab of Racheka, so I'll be with you and I'll bless you. Kilakauzaracha ettain et kola sotael. I'll give you all these lands. Great, right? So we have right we have Eritegim and Eris Erisplishtim and Erit Azot and uh right Eritra Marleh sorry, Eris andegev, Eris of Plis Plishtim, Eritra Marilecha, Erit Azot and Arasota L. And why? Because Akimotiy Ashivolah Sherenishpate LaAvraham Avicha. Right. So there's Avram. As soon as we get away from narrative and we go into background, right? I'm doing this for the sake of Avraham. Okay. Right. We have the Biretsi Zarecha Kichuk VeYashemayim. Right. You lots of children. Right. Lots of children. Zarecha Kol HaArasotael. Okay. There, those, those lands are again. Bismarachu Zarecha Kol Gei HaAretz. Which Aretz? Another one. Ekev Asher Shema Avraham B'Kolli. Not because you did anything but because of Abraham, right? So it's all, right, three times, right, right? We have we have background interjections that put Yitzhak in the context of Avraham. There's Rav, Av, just like the one that, were, or aside from the one that was in time of Avraham. And then he goes to Gerar, and God tells him, don't go into Mishraim because I promised Avraham, and I will make your children multiply. Why? Because Avraham listened to me. What those are. Uh, obviously, you know, big question. Are they talking about pre-Mounted Torah mitzvot, post Torah mitzvot, rational mitzvot that apply at all times? Do you want to try and break them down in, in detail? Right. Not our issue right now. Okay. So now Yitzchak settles in Gerar God doesn't tell him that. But we don't know what God, right? When is, when is Yitzchak going to be told? Spoiler? Never. No, God, no, right. there doesn't ever seem to be a time when God tells Yitzchak like, this is this is the land you're supposed to be in so we gotta figure out what this is yes Mish uh, so so the, that's true is also the, yeah is that saying, or, uh, it's not so much um, B'nai Yisrael well they say the Gurb it's so Banu, and then they're right and even bigger, that's what so that's that's why I put Pussing 44 on, right? Bayeshav Yaakov, Beres Megureaviv Veres Kenan, that's later, right? So Yaakov is Yoshev in the land of Megureaviv, uh right, Rashi says BK Yaakov Leshe Beshalva. Yaakov wants peace, he's not supposed to have peace. And so Miad Kaf Kafans of Zoshal Yosef. So the chat, right? So you so it could very well be that this is the land he's supposed to be gur in, and instead he's Shev there. And, right, because he's supposed to, right, because he's not supposed to be Shev there, he's supposed to be Gar until God tells him to be Shohein somewhere else. Right, the problem is we don't know what Shohein means at all. But, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, also the problem is that Yaakov is Yoshev, Eretz Aviv. but if you, if we're right that this is a problem, so there is no Eretz Aviv of Yitzchak, because Yitzchak is Yoshev. So, yeah, so I, I, um, I agree with you entirely that that should be meaningful but I don't know what it means um, very good okay so um, Yitzhak is now staying in Grar and he stays in grar, Right then we have the whole episode right, where the him Makom so what a Makom is as opposed to an Aretz as opposed to Grar I have no idea And uh, they ask after his wife and he says oh she's my sister because right, he's afraid that they'll kill him because Rivka is very beautiful and he stays there a very long time and Avimelech catch, catches him. Okay. Then we have the whole right, the whole comedy. Um, right where where um, Avimelech says, "Why do you do this?" And Avimelech tells everybody, "Don't touch him." Yitzchak gets very successful. The police didn't get jealous of him. Avimelech kicks him out. That's verse twenty-five. Uh, and now that there's a there's an obvious temptation there. If you want to read this as foreshadowing, that this is what this is what Paro says to the Bitzrim. Uh, right that the Jews are right the Jews are stronger than us. Um, Rabbi Melch, in fact just kicks him out. So now Yitzchak is chone, whole new verb. sham and he's 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 there now. Then Pesach 32, right, after the fight, Vayatek he does another will, he calls it Rechavot, um, and then he moves from there back to Beer Sheva. And now we have really the only scene in which God talks to him after right For so the rest of his life, this is really the only the only other time in which God says anything to him. And there we have to figure out does is this in fact the error Sashira Marilacha? So right, so in line thirty four, God says, vayomer Anochi there is that right it's like never gets away from that. Altiraki itcha nohi, uvayhticha, virbait zarakha, bavu, abraham of di. There we go again. And that's it. Yitzchak builds a mi'zbeach. He's korei b'shem Hashem. He is notesh shem So in case like you wanted, like this is this is worse than um, right. This is worse than the alleged variety of of um, Eskimo words for snow or any words for snow, right? Where you have now vayishav, Vayichon, vayish, vayishkon, vayet ahalo, vay, vay, vayachan. Right? There's an enormous amount of things that you can do, uh, right, to say that you're staying in the place. So he's, he's notesh um Right? Sorry, where, the, there where he is. And then, um, right. And then, um, the, the, the servants of Yitzchak have a, have a be'er. And now wherever he is, right. So he's, he's in Be'er Shavu, which again is somewhere in the vicinity of Grohr. Okay. That's, those are our, um, those are our opening, uh, frameworks. Okay. The question that we, we, right, So we have a question, um, what is the why is this story placed in the context of the relationship between Yaakov and Esav? Um, we have the question of what all these so are. Where is Yitzchak supposed to be? And when, if ever, does God tell him a Marilecha? Is it a plausible claim to say that God says a Marilecha and never gets around to it? Um, right? Is that a right? Is that is that a plausible? Is uh, that a plausible thing to say? Uh, maybe just things never worked out for that nevuah, uh, for that nevuah to, uh, to, uh, to to come by. Um, I guess I'll like there's a story that uh, tell about myself this way. When I was uh, in high school, so I went to um, so I was I was debating I was applying to Columbia and YU, um, right? Those those were my two options. And um, my most of my high school Jewish studies faculty, the Rebbeim, wanted me instead to go to a very Haredi yeshiva, uh, right? I don't know if it was real, but they, they promised me a seat in Panovich. Um, there, there, there were other places. And our Yeshiva, of Pinchas Khan, who's in Chaim Berlin, now I should live and be well, um, called me in and gave me a long speech about why he had chosen not to go to Columbia um uh, now most of the other band there were time were telling me about that probably it's better to go to columbia than why because you know at least in columbia you know it's straight right <laughs> uh, but he called me and he gave a and gave a long speech about why he hadn't gone to uh to columbia and he looked at me and he said you know there are things with why you also talk about them with you some other time that he never did so i went to YU. Uh, right, so I, right, so I mean, have a biographical notion, right? So sometimes what you do is you tell somebody, I'll get to it. and You don't get to it. That's a really good strategy. Um, so maybe that's all right. Maybe that's what God says. Don't worry. I'll tell you when it's time to move. But that seems to me, you know, probably a little bit of pro- too much projection of myself into the story. Okay. So let's go into, uh, let's take a look at the Mizrahi. says. So Mizrahi is, uh, right, the great uh, medieval super commentary on Rashi. Um, so here's what he says. He, start, he quotes the matter. I'm taking us in the middle, but the earlier part, I don't think matters to us. Rabbi Yochanan said about Avraham and Lech Lecha. Why didn't God just tell Avraham, go to Canaan? Right, so he says, Kidei beinav. He did it to make the mitzvah dear in his eyes. And to give him reward for every single statement. So, right, he gets rewards for obeying all of God's statements, and there are more of them now. And he gets rewards for every step now, because, right, as opposed to a step just being on the path, every step, right, is a new mitzvah. Because, right, because there's no destination so much, right? Not, they're not, they're not right. If if you know where you're going, so all the steps are just hetero mitzvahs, right? They're just prep. But this way, every step could be the, could be the step. So he gets more reward for everything. Okay. And then he, there's a comparison. This is what it's meant, but it says, So, Lechlecha is compared to the akeda, right? And there we have this dialogue, right? He's, God says to Abraham, take your son. Which son? Your only son. They're each only sons to the mother. Whom you love? What? I love one more than the other? Yitzchak. So why didn't he tell tell him originally? Kede l'chavu beinav, l'itein l'scharo kol dibur v'dibur. Right, to, right, so those, right, that sounds like the same answer. Another say, the Amar of Chuna b'Shem Reb Eliyazir. The Rav said the name of Reb Eliyazir. Shakedosh baruchu mashe u'masle b'nehem shel sadikin. Ve'achar kachu megalel b'nehem ta'amosh devar. Okay, so this it took me a long time to figure this out. I think the pshat is um so you don't make right ta'amosh devar doesn't mean the reason for it. What it means, right? means is the explanation of the mysterious words he said initially. So Rav says in name God keeps sadikim in suspense, right? He, right? He puzzles and leaves hanging in front of the eyes of the of the righteous, and afterwards he explains to them what he meant. That's why he, said, right? He says to Avraham, right? The land, the land that I'll show you. Right, the, the mountain that I'll tell you. He doesn't tell, according to this letter, God doesn't tell Yonah what he's going to say when he gets to an invade. That's a whole separate discussion. Right, and Yecheskel also at one point is told to go out, and God will, right, and God will tell him what it is that he's going to say. Okay, all this is a, all this is a, right, is a quote of of, of Medrash Rabba. Okay. So now the, the Mizrahi has a, uh, Mizrahi claims um, that this, when you read these, right, you have two statements, right? You have the anonymous statement, which has two parts itself, which is, right, lechavev ha-mitzvah, and dibur that may be the same as the next anonymous statement, which is l'chavevu. L'chavevu is not the same as ha hamitzvah necessarily. lo That seems like the same. That seems the same. And then you have the different statement, which is named but which is that God keeps the in suspense. So are these all the same idea that God keeps people in suspense in order to give them more schar, or is there a way of breaking these up? So the um, Mizrahi thinks there are ways to there are ways to break them up. Mizrahi says that Nirivrayan um, that the reason of Arzecha Malata in Beit Avicha, right? So the, and the, the reason of Lechlecha, and the, or at least the first part of Lechlecha, right? Go right the, where it says leave your eretz Maladit in Beit Av, and the reason it said Bincha Yichah Shor those have the same reason, and those are Kedei Lechavev Hamitzvah Beinav, the Latet Noschar Kol they make the mitzvah dear in his eyes, and they give him schar for everything. But the second half of those, I share our eka, the suspense will play, I'm not telling you where the, right, so the delay in the moment, and God says and God says to, those are all draggings out in the moment, and they're for the purpose of giving you schar for each one. But share our eka, and I share, and, um, and the, and, and, he says, um, and the reason for that is this notion that God is keeping people in suspense, right? That's right, that is a different reason than Lachaveh v'Mitsav It's not to build up anticipation; it's to keep you in suspense. And keeping you in suspense doesn't necessarily build your anticipation. It just frustrates you, um, right? And he thinks in the whole explanation Rashi himself also, um, right? He thinks Rashi is compatible with these with these two claims. And he says, right, I don't really, I don't really understand because, um, right, he says, you want to say, you want to say, so he says, the reason he does not say, right. he tells him all these things so that Yitzchak will be, Yitzchak will be more beloved in his eyes. And therefore he gets more reward for everything he does. But when God says, he doesn't, he's not making that place more beloved to more beloved to to, to Avram, he's not making he's not making it or he's not building anything up. He's building it down. He's right. He's saying Avram, you have to leave your eretz, your Meledit, your beit av, and you know what? I'm not even going to tell you what you're getting for it. So it's not making it. It's not making the mitzvah more dear in his eyes. You know, it's not making Yitzhak more dear in his eyes. What it is is um, making Avram suffer more to fulfill the mitzvah um okay right here and, and and he says this explicitly if you go to the if you go to the the asterisk lines right towards the bottom of the page he says Um and afterwards he explains what he meant when he holds them in suspense when he hides the matter from them initially they suffer and their reward is increased right Whereas at Pincha and Marilecha, right all the and, and all those things those that right all those cases he says are just God just does this because he's cutting you in suspense because the more you deal with the agony of suspense the more reward you get so I have a very uh simple question which is uh is this moral right, is that like a fair thing for God to do to just write you know, we generally Right? if human being did this we would be object object to the notion that because i can reward you therefore i can it accomplishes nothing in terms of my goal right it doesn't make you more likely to do it it doesn't change your experience in religiously valuable ways it's just that i have power so i can do whatever i want you're going to listen to you're gonna to listen to me and whatever reason right you know and if you suffer more i can reward you more why not well you know what you can reward me without me my suffering so go ahead but yes. It, it's like would test so mm-hmm. Yeah, but why does he care? If you're going to say, like Rashi says, that he's doing it, you can say he does it because he wants to show you off for other people. So there, are, you know, that's also problematic, but you can understand that, You know, this, if they, right, Rashi gives Potter's metaphor, but we would say, like, you know, when if you're a teacher of a, a certain kind of teacher in a classroom, and your boss comes to visit or other people, so you call on the students who know will give the right answers, right? Okay, right. So there's an advantage, right? There's a public relations purpose to right to bag, to bag sometimes we say, right, you know, you know tough love. Right? If I didn't push you through if I didn't make you work out fifteen hours a day, you'd never really develop your three point shot. Right? Whatever you think is important in life. Um, right. So that also that improves you. But if I just right, but the notion that you know that God tests people always to their limits because that way he can reward them more. Is that enough of a reason? You know, so if you think that you know that that's a that's a legitimate use of the power to reward. Uh, right, that you can make people do things just so you can, re- because your your own inhibitions can be, and I'm talking humanly, right, that he's like, your own inhibitions prevent you from giving people money unless they work for it, or you think it's, you want to argue maybe it's bad for them to get undeserved rewards, <laughs> right, so I'm making you do this so that you'll feel good about, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to say, I, I am not, I am not enthused by this answer. <laughs> uh, I, you know, but I'm, in general, it's because I'm not a, uh I am, I, um, there are people, and I used, to, I used to get into a lot of trouble on this um, back many, many years ago, uh, before, I, before I was married to the wonderful Deborah, uh, where I went on dates with, um, sometimes with women from particular right-wing institutions, and they get into big fights because they assume that the only reason, for some reason, like their teachers have taught them, the reason to do things is for reward, and the reason not to do things is for punishment, and I would never understand why that made sense. Uh, right do things because they're right you don't do things because they're wrong and then you know so you know it could be fancy right it's a kantian notion right so the god who does right will of course reward you because it would be wrong for god not to reward you you don't do it for the reward that ever made any sense to me or not do it for the punishment if it was wrong why would you do it just because you get punished That's cowardice very short dates i fear anyways but i remember like, huge fights about this so maybe that some people find this perfectly reasonable god makes us do things so he can reward us because he couldn't reward us unless he made us do those things yeah, he could i think god can do anything he can reward us if he wants to uh i'm not a fan of this theologically okay i recognize this is something about which we can be very pluralistic uh it also affects classrooms right you know that they're if like, there are teachers whose classrooms run entirely on uh on rewards and you know rewards and punishments and there are teachers of classes run on, this is what we should be learning. And some classroom, you know, in each, there are teachers of each kind of classroom who are affected. Uh, you just have to know which kind of teacher you are, um, right, in order to, in order, in order to make it work or parent or whatever it may be. Okay. Just, you know, if you want to handle me, that's not a good way to handle me. <laughs> uh, okay. So I have some moral difficulties with this. I, I don't like that answer. I think that the Mizrahi points out, that, yeah, there is a real difference between saying, right, you know, there's a difference between saying, I'm building up Eretz Yisrael because I want you to, lo- I want- I'm- so I'm building up your homeland, right? And all the emotional factors are homeland, so you get more scarf for leaving it. And I'm building up, you know, maybe it's the same kind of logic, I'm building up Yitzchak so you get more scarf for being willing to sacrifice him. Okay, <laughs> a little bit much, but it's not quite the same thing as not building anything up but just leaving him in suspense. I think he's right about that. And so that kind of thing has to be addressed. And he doesn't tell us explicitly which Asher Omari Lecha by Yitzchak is. That's not one of the cases he addresses. So I want to take us to, um, to the Nisiv now, right? So now we're on, we're on page three of the, uh, of the Makarit. Um, so says, Asher Omari Lecha, Loam, this is something that you may find a little astonishing. He says, Shalomar, Loamar Beferish, God never in fact tells him. Ella, right, so this, this is the by the um by the Aqeda, sorry. She never says it explicitly Ella Mima Shiraab Hevin Shuhahar Hashem. But Abram figured it out. Huma Hashem? Right? God said the, the mountain that shall tell you. He saw a cloud, and he said, Oh, that must be the mountain. And when he says God spoke to him, it just when God said, I'll tell you, God just meant I will somehow make it clear to you. And he says the analogy is by in Pas Par Khavdal Pasign where the Pasik is He Nerivka Lufanacha Kahvalehti Shah Levena Duneka Kashibirhashem. Right? So that's what right, that's what uh um, Lavan and Bit to it uh, and um and right and Rivka's mother say. And the answer and the thing is right, I think right I every mother that's between or huh? not. And Hashem never said anything of the sort. But it was pretty clear what God meant. And this is the equivalent of, like, this, right, that in, um, in rabbinic literature when it says the Hatorah Amra. So you know it's not a quote from Torah. It's always a paraphrase. <laughs> right? So they right, So, so that, okay. That right? So so, that, so now the Nitziv um, goes and reads. Right, so right. Let's go on and, re- and continue reading the Nitziv's version of our story. So Yitzchak went. So he goes to Avimelech. Why? Because he relies on Avimelech's bread with him. Sheyel of the Azura Mira, that al will support him. About Shab Shuadadam, but Yitzchak is misled, al is not reliable, As it will be explained, right? That in the end, Amielach actually hates Yitzhak and kicks him out. Uh, and that's why Yitzhak is thinking of going to, to Egypt, because he gets to Gruar and he's terribly disappointed. And God tells him, Don't do that. Okay, so according to according to the um the, the Nitziv Yitzchak goes to Avimelech with every expectation of going there, but we, we we see from the continuation of the story that um, right, that Yitzchak is not really um, Yitzhak is Yitzhak is not really greeted, and that's why he thinks about going to Egypt. And so God forestalls him and says don't right, and says don't go to Egypt. Um, okay. Whereas the Sforno has an exactly opposite reading of the story. The Sforno says that Yitzchak is already in Gerar and he goes to Avimelech. Yitzchak goes to Avimelech in order to to get permission to leave. Because Avimelech is treating him well. All right, so Sforna and Sforna have totally opposite readings of the role of of Avimelech and Gerar in the story. According to Nisiv, Yitzchak goes to Avimelech to escape the famine, but is terribly disappointed and therefore thinks about going to Egypt. And according to the Sforna, Yes, the Rab is in glory, and Yitzchak goes to Avimelech to ask permission to leave and, um, right, and on his way to talk to Avimelech, God comes to him and says, no, don't bother. Just stay there. So we're thinking about how radically that changes the story. Uh, okay, right, God tells him, so the Siv tells you that's that's where we get the Mitzvah of Yishu right, it means really dig you into this land. And he says, So now he tells you, right? This doesn't mean Really speaking to him, but whatever your whatever you seem to, you perceive as the workings out of divine providence, that that's what God means, right? And he has other examples, right? So really, right? So he thinks that he thinks that when it says Asher, it, it doesn't mean I will tell you; it means you'll figure it out. Right, and then he goes on, right, that, that right? That, um, right so Yitzchak has to figure out in his life that he, right? he's never supposed to leave Eretz Yisrael, um, right? And he's supposed to be Shochain, which means he's supposed to build a real life there, but at the same time, he's supposed to be Gur. He's not ready right, to realize that he's not there yet, because Yitzchak, even when he's in Eretz Yisrael, actually, no, he's even right. He says, gur, geras, ki right, It's a moralistic story, right? You should realize, even though you're Shochain in the land, because you're supposed to act like everybody else acts when they're really at home, but you have to realize, like the Pesach in, in the where we say that all of us are just gerim on the land relative to God. Okay. right, very nice and moralistic. Doesn't quite, doesn't quite, um, doesn't quite convince me. Right. And he also tries to do uh, and say that the travails of Yitzchak in Gerar are parallel to what happens to Bnei Yisrael when they first enter Yisrael until David chases them out. Okay not so much my issue um, my issue really is Nitziv's reading the Cheryl Maraleha doesn't require you to look for a statement it means you have to try and figure out where it is in the narrative that they're supposed to understand that they're in the right place and the right place for like is all very okay um, right that's a um, right that's the right that's the um moving on uh, right so you'll see that there are different right, there are totally different um approaches as to what Yitzchak is doing in according to the Radak, um Yitzchak goes to Grar because there isn't a Rav there uh which raises the question okay so why does he have to go why does he have to think rather than uh, uh about leaving Teres Ter- Ter- Mitzrayim okay the Hizkuni says that Yitzchak th- Yitzhak thinks that Yitzchak has a pre has a has a a um premonition he has a he has a masura that, he, that the, because of Avram's so his people are going to have to go Avram's descendants are going to have to go into Golos in, in a land not there for 400 years so he figures oh look this is when it's going to happen so he wants to go to Egypt because he knows he's going into Golos and God tells him either no this is not when the Golos starts or you can be in Golos even in Eretz Yisrael as long as you're not secure uh, right, sure. all, all of which could have fun uh, making right, drawing, drawing contemporary uh, parallels or alternatively, Rechaim Paltiel, or the Ramban, says that, um, that God doesn't want the Jews to go into slavery, but he knows that if Yitzchak goes to, to Mitzrayim, then the Xera will start, and God would rather the Jews have the slavery in Egypt be right, be limited as much as possible. Okay, so all these are attempts to solve the problem by reading this narrative in the context of a whole set of uh, a whole set of um, much, much later narratives, as opposed to saying, maybe this is related to the whole story of Yaakov and Asa. Okay, so the last thing, uh, which maybe we'll have time for, um, and then I encourage you, maybe as always, to, you know, there are a lot of big questions here, and I'm leaving myself in suspense because I'm not really going to have big answers to them, so email me uh, or stop by on this afternoon and sit on, the, you know, sit on the couch in front of our porch and tell me what your answers are, maybe I'll have thought of better answers by then. Uh, if you read the essay, maybe you'll have a little bit more of a clue, of big answer. But let's take a look at Ramban, because Ramban, I think, says something that is astonishing and worth uh, worth playing out um, in the context of all the questions um, we, we asked, right? So Ramban starts by doing what you expect Ramban to do, um, right? Which is, he puts it in historical own context, right? There's no, this is the first Rab since the time of Abraham. And he says, What seems correct to me is, They remembered the first story. Everyone remembers, oh, there was Ra'av, and Avraham went back, went down to Egypt, and he came back rich. So, everyone's waiting for the Ra'av, which gives them the excuse to leave Eretz Israel and go to Misraim, so that they can come back rich. So that's Ramban's reading. Yitzchak is tracing all of Avraham's footsteps what happens in Abraham's footsteps is you go to Mishraim, you come back rich. So he figures he'll go to Mishraim, he'll come back rich. And God tells him, no, you don't have to go to Mishraim to get rich. And in fact, Yitzchak gets rich and grow. Okay, right. interesting analysis of Yitzchak's motives as opposed to he thinks he has to go into Gullos, right that he's really, like, this is a, a big moment in Yitzchak's life. It's the first moment in Yitzchak's life where somebody tells him, you're not Avraham. You live a different life. All right, however you, however you play that. Okay, so now we'll get to the part of Ramban that matters to us, um, really. and he goes to Avimelech who has a covenant with his, with his father. Okay, good. Now he says, Ramban says flat out. There is no rational way in which you can say Live in, live in the land which I'll tell you, live in this land. Unless he, right, it doesn't make any sense to say that he's, right, according to Ramban, we'll see other people do think it makes sense, uh, it doesn't make sense to say, I'll tell you and then tell you the next second, right? That's just a silly, right? That's a silly amount of suspense, right? Three, three seconds of suspense, right? That's, right? That's a joke. So Ramban says, that can't possibly be true. What does it mean? So what does it really mean? Don't go down to Egypt. Right, you don't go down to Egypt. Wherever you go, do it when I tell you. And he connects it to Bnei Yisrael the Midbar. Right, you just all your life you should be ready to move when I tell you, and ready, ready, ready to pack to, to camp when I tell you. but for now. You can live in this land, which there is Plishtim, because it's part of the land which I will eventually give you. It's part of Canaan. Okay, but then, Ramban says his wild thing. He says, It seems sensible to me. It could be that the isn't in sequence in the narrative. It's not that Avram goes to, it's not that Avram goes to Grar and then God comes to him and says, don't go to Egypt. Because he was planning to go to Egypt then. No, before he ever left for Grar, God told him this. He called him Komo before Yitzchak left uh right left where he was coming from, right? Um right Bearsheba. Um Marlo Alter Shkun Bar Shon Baar Omar God said to him, Don't go to Mitzrayim, stop wherever I tell you to. And therefore, right, when God tells right, so God told him before, Alter Mitzraim. And now, when he gets to Gror, God tells him, So this actually is the time when God tells him, right, when, right, when God tells him, he says, stop here. Okay. Um, right, so that is, um, right, so that's Ramban, right, Ramban's wild Reading of the story is that, uh, right, is that actually God is telling him, stop in Gror, don't go to Mitzrayim, And Everything that happened otherwise was uh, right. Everything that happened previously was um right, was uh right. Is before, is before this all happened. Okay. So that's that's the end of the um, McCord I put out, I guess. So let's see if there's a way to if there's a way to pull it together. Um, is there right? Is there a way to somehow believe that the story uh, right? Why? As we asked, it, like, why does this story matter at all? Right? Why is this story? in Tanakh in a sense it's a force right Yitzchak right um where Yitzhak goes to goes to Groer and he pretends that Rivka is his wife but no one is fooled right no one is fooled Avimelech is at the window right because he's at the moment that Yitzchak shows up in Gror Avimelech is at right Abimelech, everyone is what is waiting to say when are they going to drop this comedy about their right? About about there being a sister. For one thing, maybe they've got grown-up kids that are obvious. Right? They're obviously their kids. Right? So who is pretending? Right? Pretend, right? Pretend, right? Who is pretending at all? Right? So this whole story, um, this whole story seems to um, have no purpose at all. Um, and yet, it's put in in a, right, in a way which interrupts a narrative that makes sense and that does really matter, which is the relationship between Yaakov. And, right between Yaakov and Esau So it seems to me that there's a strong case that the narrative has to mean something, and what the narrative has to mean is not in the context of the way right, the way Ramban and Tziv put it in the in the massive context of the history of Chalysro. It can mean that too, but that wouldn't explain its location here. It has to tell you something about the as to tell you something, something here about the relationship between Yaakov and Esau And now we can look a little bit more closely at exactly what it is that what precedes it is Asaph's rejection of the birthright. And what follows it is, right, is Yitzchak's attempt to hand off the birthright, which makes one su- su- uh, suspect that the story here must be telling you something about the nature of Khura, or if you wanted to put it more generally, the story must be here to tell us something about the relationship of sons and fathers and inheritance. And not just not just economic inheritance, but spiritual inheritance. And if we read it that way, so then it would become a very big thing if what we see here is Yitzchak constantly trying to, or assuming, that he's supposed to live his father's life. And the one thing that God says to him Really, so far, right? Really, the one thing that God, the one, the one thing that God says to him is, "Alteret b'tzayma." You're in the exact same situation as your father. You're not allowed to do what your father did. Now, this is a struggle, all the way. Right? This is a struggle all the way through because whatever God does to it, right, does for Yitzhak is because of his father. And so, it's a reasonable conclusion to say. That if your father is the source of everything you get, so then your job is to be exactly like your father. And Yitzchak takes that inheritance very, very seriously, but it never works. Right, trying to behave like his father in Philistia is a farce. Um, right, digging the wells that his father dug, they just get filled in again. Right, the only well that, right? the only well that that work the only one well that works is his own is his own is his own will even though right even though um right even though god tells him that he's being rewarded because right so there's a very delicate claim being made about how you can be an heir but being an heir doesn't mean that you have to be exactly like the person from whom you're inheriting in order to deserve it and so right and so then the question is can you work out a narrative in which Somehow, what happens? Yitzchak's relationship to Avram's inheritance is what leads to Esav being unable to appreciate the bechorah. And if there's some, if it, and is there something in the story which uh, in, which enables it to work out in the end, so that Yaakov gets the bechorah, all right? So that in, the inheritance is passed on, even though. The Yitzchak who enters this story would not have been able to pass it on successfully to either of his children, because the truth is Yaakov doesn't love the Bichura very much either, because Yaakov thinks you can buy the Bichura; you don't have to earn it, um, right? So it would be right, and this will tie back, I guess, to my own story, right? You know whether right whether you think it, right whether you think that um, there's a coin of reward and punishment that enables that enables things that, uh, right, right and wrong to be, right that you can calculate right and wrong in between. So the tentative framework I want to set out is that the purpose of the story is to demonstrate a change in Yitzchak. The change in Yitzchak is what enables Yaakov, at least, to be able to appreciate the Bechorah generally and thereby to become worthy of carrying it on, um, even though part of what he has to understand is that to carry it on is not necessarily to do the same things his father did, Uh, right? Whether, and it'd be really cool if somebody could find a way in which Yitzchak, in which Esau somehow thinks he is being Yitzchak, right? That's what really, right, that's what really goes wrong is that, um, and we could try and, you know, and, and tie things in like that where what Esau looks for in marriage is his father's approval, eventually, or his parents' approval,